Greetings, everyone. This is Pastor Mike, and I'm at home in one of the upstairs rooms of my house with my Bible open, the Second Chronicles, chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. In his word, God makes some amazing declarations. For instance, the Bible says that God is willing that none should perish, but that everyone come to repentance and that God desires for all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. I read these statements and I wonder, how can this ever come about? George Otis Jr. says that we often pray for revival like we're asking a rare bird to come and nest in our backyard. We hope it comes, but don't really expect that it will. So we read a verse like 2 Chronicles 7.14, about God's desire to heal our land. And we can have that same mindset. We long for God to heal our land, to heal our marriage, to heal our family, to heal our city. But we don't really think that he will. So we don't humble ourselves and we don't pray and seek his face. Transformation can only even be a possibility if the spiritual climate is first transformed which then prepares the way for God to move so that the lost are saved, families are being healed and delivered, churches revived, and even the institutions of business, government, education are being transformed by the power of God for His glory. Now, how has the spiritual atmosphere changed? We've been looking at the second paradigm of transformation, and that is that nothing happens to advance the kingdom of God without fervent, focused, and unified prayer. So the question is, how can we as God's people position ourselves in such a way as to create a pathway for the Holy Spirit to transform people's lives? The simple answer is prayer, but not just general prayer, fervent, focused, and unified prayer. God's plan for reaching cities and discipling nations does not begin with strategic planning. It's not about a program or a human agenda or plan, but an an acknowledging of our complete dependence on God to fix the overwhelming problems of our world. It requires humility and deep repentance. It It doesn't depend on gifted leaders, but on ordinary believers, broken, weeping, and crying out to God. As God's people pray, It's key that we find in God's word his promised blessings so that we can declare them, saying yes and amen. God has already embedded blessings like hidden treasure in his word that we might mine for them and and allow them to refine us and align us with God's heart and purposes. By believing and declaring God's promises, we position ourselves for God to move in our lives and in our world. This idea of positioning ourselves is key. 
God's grace and blessings are like a waterfall being constantly poured out. And we're like a thirsty people in desperate need of God's presence and grace. We can be crying out for water when God has given us the roadmap to the waterfall. We need to learn to position ourselves under the waterfall. I remember there was a day that um, a friend of mine was helping me um, set up my satellite dish on the roof of my house. And he was in the house looking at the TV and I had the satellite dish and I was standing on the balcony pointing it at the sky. And he was trying to get me to point it so that we would get a signal from the satellite. And I'm trying and he's saying, no signal, no signal. And finally he comes out and I I just hear him laughing at me. And I, I look at him and I go, why are you laughing? And he looks at me and he looks down at my feet. He looks up at me again, and then I look down at my feet, and I see that I'm standing there with the satellite dish pointing at the sky in my hands, and the cord is laying there at my feet, not plugged into anything. It wasn't that the signal wasn't there, but until I plugged the thing in and pointed it in the right direction, I was never going to get that signal. Now, there are many promises and many promised blessings in God's Word. We've seen how through these promises we partake of the divine nature. We position ourselves for God to move. Now, there are several promises with blessings connected to them that pertain to transformation. And the first one I'd like to look at is found in this verse that we read in 2 Chronicles. And it's the promised blessing of humility. When we read this verse, when my people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves and pray, When we read this verse, we often skip this part to get to the next part. What is the first condition of the promised blessing of 2 Chronicles 7.14? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. It's not the only thing, but it's the first thing. Then God says, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, that is, the humble in spirit, those who are not spiritually arrogant or confident in their own resources. For he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I mean, that's quite a contrast. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will inherit the earth. That's the finish line. You know, it's never a good thing to start on a journey without knowing your destination. The goal is to advance the kingdom of God, to expand his reign throughout the earth. What's interesting about this verse in 2 Chronicles is that God shows that he is willing to orchestrate circumstances to bring us to this point of humility, knowing that too often it's only desperate circumstances that will drive us to desperate prayer. How he says that when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. That's why I'm convinced that God's purpose in this worldwide pandemic was to stop everything that all people everywhere would humble themselves and pray and seek his face. Every great move of God in the history of the world has begun the same way. Ordinary people like you and me have humbled themselves before God and before one another. 
recognizing their own helplessness, and yet believing God's faithfulness to his promises. It's important to remember that we're not asking God to do something he does not want to do. We're praying and bringing down to earth from heaven something God has already determined he wants to do, but will not do until we cooperate with him through prayer. God cares more than we know about our eternal souls. He's more concerned with our eternal state than our present comfort. So God will bring us to our knees for our eternal good. This this is why we gather leaders from specific geographic regions for prayer summits, so that we might together humble ourselves before God and one another and cry out for a miracle. In so doing, we look for the promised blessing that God has given us in his word when we humble ourselves and pray. Sometimes God waits to see how badly we want to align ourselves with his blessing. I think of Jacob. In Genesis chapter 32, Jacob finds himself in a desperate circumstance. His brother Esau is coming to see him. And Jacob believes Esau's intention is to kill him. I mean, after all, Jacob had, had taken Esau's birthright through trickery and manipulation. In fact, Jacob's very name means heel grabber or circumventor, manipulator, overreacher. You know, Jacob had always lived by his own wits and cleverness. But now he found himself at the end of his own ability to save himself. God appeared to him one night and they wrestled through the night. Can you imagine But there's a wrestling in prayer as we seek God's face on behalf of our land. And Jacob said, I will not let go until you bless me. And that night, God changed his name to Israel, which means governed by God. Jacob, now Israel, would walk with a limp for the rest of his life as a reminder of this landmark moment in his life when he wrestled with God, and God touched him and changed him. Fervent prayer is desperate prayer that rises from seeing the world and the immense need from God's perspective and realizing we are powerless to change it, and yet realizing that God can and will transform that which is placed in his hand through humble and fervent prayer. God breaks us to use us like he did with Jacob. It begins with humility. It begins with desperation. You can trace the beginnings of any outpouring where God truly transformed a community to a small remnant of people who were so desperate that they humbled themselves and cried out to God until he answered. May God bring us to that place that will then position us and set us on a course toward the destination of transformation and the healing of our land. Amen.